Welcome back to Talk of the Town on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC on WHTC.com and on the WHTC app for your smartphone. Once again, here's your host, Gary Stevens. Welcome back to Talk of the Town for this Monday, January 15th. Second Monday of every month, actually the third Monday of every month, we are joined by two of the men that represent the Lakeshore in the state Senate. Earlier, we had a chance to chat with state Senate Minority Leader Eric Nesbitt. We are now joined by state Senate Minority Whip Roger Victory of Hudsonville. Happy New Year, sir. Good morning, Gary, and Happy New Year's. And I'm glad you got the heat on in the studio because it's nice and nice and toasty here compared yeah. to being outside. <laughs> And as a commercial farmer, Roger Victory, of course, he has staff to be able to handle some of the chores at Victory Farms, but it's still a little cold, uh, especially uh, you know making sure that uh, all the uh, acreage is uh, taken care of with all the snow on the ground. It is a cold morning, and uh, actually, we had a discussion at the farm this morning early on and saying, uh, remember, years ago, we used to have some cattle, beef cattle, and thinking, wow, uh, fortunate to have to deal with that but just think of all those uh, dairy farmers and livestock uh, folks out there and all the challenges they have on a morning like this uh, things that we take for granted uh, the doors are frozen they don't slide the water systems uh, how many pipe leaks and all the welfare of the animals too so when we got this cold weather it's uh makes life more challenging through all out of the members of society and especially agricultural producers out there. So I just wish those dairy farmers uh, hang in there in a little warmer weather, but we do appreciate what you're doing on these cold mornings, providing that nutritional, normal dairy product to us that we take for granted at times. If you got a question for State Senator Roger Victory, he'll be happy to answer it at 616-395-1450. 1450 Michigan revenue officials are expecting the state to collect $31.5 billion for the fiscal year ending on September 30th. That estimate from Friday's consensus revenue estimating conference is nearly 1% less than last year, but $418 million more than was estimated in May of 2023. And officials expect $32.3 billion in revenues for 2025. That's 2.5% increase over this year, does that equate to the income tax hike in it terms met, of those, uh, how, those, how much more those dollars? numbers? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I you know trigonometry wasn't my best in school, but this math is a little easier than trigonometry, and you can kind of see how that number comes right into play here. And uh, just think of how you know if that income tax uh, uh, could be in the hardworking uh, taxpayers of the state of Michigan, and I think that's one of the reasons too. You know, we had that income tax cut last term and uh, people were utilize those dollars and robust economy. And uh, those are things that we should be looking at more throughout the state of Michigan and not just uh, continuing pet projects. It seems to be uh, for the chosen few out there. Yeah. Uh, the battle is in the courtrooms right now yeah. as to whether or not, uh, what was the exact intent of the law? Was it meant to be a temporary cut? Or was it meant to be a permanent one? I remember when I was in the House and when that uh, legislation was being uh, crafted and passed, my interpretation at that time was a permanent ongoing. And it seems to be uh, some lawyering up and some legal maneuvering and some nuances here and there. And that's why uh, they find themselves in the court and uh, will be vetted through that process. So uh, it's in those hands at this time. But uh, I, would, I was under the impression, and I think uh, – 
basically 100% of the legislative body at the time, the intent of that law, uh, and those who were sponsoring the bill too, when you uh, was a permanent rollback. Speaking about tax rollback, uh, the governor was in West Michigan last week, um, sort of uh, celebrating the fact that uh, they have now got a retiree tax taken off, uh, providing relief for over 500,000 households in Michigan, an average tax cut of $1,000 per year. Now, Roger, that sounds good until you start reading a little bit of the fine print. That is rolled back for those who collect pensions. Mm-hmm. How many collect pensions and who collects pensions? Gary, you just highlighted what I just mentioned a few minutes ago. For those uh, tax cuts for the select few, those chosen few, those that probably fall in a certain group that probably vote a certain way. And uh, that I, I believe when we do a rollback of taxes, it should be for all hardworking uh, Michigan Michiganders out there, regardless if you had a pension or uh, employed in a certain specific trade or area of employment. And a lot of the pensions today that are left – are those who work for municipalities or uh, in the school systems and those there. So uh, it's a targeted uh, group of folks. And uh, when we are, you know, uh, I believe all should participate. And when you're uh, you know, paying taxes or when you're rolling back taxes, it should be uh, across the board. And this is a very targeted. And uh, that's where you dig down the details. Uh, it's, you know, it's like, okay. You are the lucky one, like on the Oprah show. You get a car, you get a, or you get a tax break, you get a tax break, but a vast majority of the audience goes home empty-handed. The other thing, too, is that if you really want to give relief to our seniors, shouldn't there be a, you know, stopping the tax of, say, Social Security? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Where it is a little bit more inclusive. That's right across the board. <laughs> that is not, and that uh, you know, just because you have didn't happen to have a good opportunity to have a job with a pension, and uh, again, as look at our majority of population, uh, very you know few participate in the pension program. If you got a question for the state Senate minority whip Roger Victory six one six three nine five fourteen fifty six one six three nine five one four five zero. This press release from the Michigan Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity was sent out between the holidays, where everybody was busy doing other things. Here's the headline. UIA says latest audit addresses pandemic-era issues either resolved or addressed in agency reforms. Don't have time to go through the entire release, but we'll give you the three highlighted uh, subtitles in this press release. Agency-led crackdown resulted in charges against 162 fraudsters and 90 convictions. More than $90 million recovered. Director Julia Dale established a UIA fraud-fighting bureau led by attorney recruited to lead fraud crackdown antiquated Snyder-era technology system to be replaced as part of sweeping UIA reform agenda. You have been very outspoken about the unemployment insurance agency stemming back from the COVID-19 outbreak and even before. You probably saw this release. Your thoughts. 
window dressing and selectivity. And I'm thinking, wow, what a great time to release this. Well, you know, we're just coming off a high from the uh, University of Michigan National Championship and the Lions well, winning. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm going back. Let's stop. Yep. Transparency press release came in December. December. Okay. So this was not a new one. This is back between the holidays right. when we weren't we, paying well, attention. Well, we were anticipating. Okay. We were anticipating. All right. Yes. So I just wanted we to correct that. you. I wanted I, to correct you. I make sure that. that knew that. But yeah, there is uh, no. There's a reason when they put these uh, press releases out and very narrow and fi- uh, finite on it because this is something that yeah, I continue in my office. One of the biggest issues when we do constituent relations and helping all our constituents is continue with this unemployment agency. And I, I set the challenge out. I will you know, go right on the air is, you know, when I was in the House during the Snyder administration, I wasn't afraid to take on the Snyder administration because this, this uh, it's outside of politics. This agency needs to operate, fulfill the need that it's laying in front of it as an employer myself that contributes into here. I uh, respect uh, accountability. And uh, regardless if it's under the uh, Snyder administration or the Whitmore administration, it has to be challenged and it has to be improved in there. And I don't see my colleagues on the other side of the aisle stepping up the plate. I don't know why. There is there still needs to be done in this organization. And if it was running so efficiently, then why are our uh, constituent relations offices and our uh, team members working well, our constituents that cannot get the appointment time or navigate through this complexity? And I also believe get the people to work. It's amazing, still in Lansing, how very few are coming in into the office, but working remotely. When you're working remotely, you don't have the culture of the company uh, or the of uh, the agency. You don't have the culture of how we're going to get these things solved and move forward. But yet, it's it, they're isolated, and there's a number of different areas that we need to hold this department accountable. And we'll continue to work on that. But I also, you know, make the shout out to my colleagues on the other side of the aisle. I'll be more than willing to work with you and do a collaborative effort to get this agency on the right road, and not just put these window dressing little tidbits out there to placate, you know, a little bit of a here and there, uh, how we're seceding. 616-395-1450. Let's get to the phones. Good morning. You're on the line with state sound minority whip Roger victory. I'm going to rewind a little bit here and go back to the pension issue that you were talking about earlier. Uh, so help me out here on that, on that pension issue. So did I hear correctly that, Republicans are not in favor of allowing the pension uh, rollback, the, the benefit to the certain retirees. You, you mentioned certain retirees. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or, or are they for it? I, I get a little confused. Help me out here. My point of view and my discussion as it, it should be all-inclusive. We should not pick winners and losers on this situation. And this is why when we select a specific group, that's where I have problems with it. So disregard, regardless of your previous employment, you should all be able to participate in the uh, income tax rollback, such as it was done last year. And who, could you give me like five examples of who those privileged individuals are? Well, those who uh, have pension programs. And so, for example, if you are a retiree working out at Walmart, you, may not, you do not have the uh, pension uh, income coming in. But yet that money you work as that greeter at Walmart, you have to pay income tax on that. I would say, uh, you know, that worker at Walmart, that retire greeter, should be treated the same as someone that retired from uh, some other municipality, say from Flint, that has that uh, pension program. 
Now, what about what about like didn't uh, didn't uh, like police officers and firefighters uh, fall under that category? Isn't it mostly them? The, those are included, but also we have uh, again I highlight a number of different municipalities that actually we worked hard on to make sure the. Uh, the refill those areas and making sure those pension programs are made whole to or uh, areas. So when we worked on the budget with uh, on these components, we made sure, first of all, that those monies were in those programs to protect those pensions. But after we did that component, uh, now they want to go back to the and have another bite at the pie. So my point is, we were I will continue to work hard and make sure there's revenue there and alongside to make sure that these pensions are made available. And we uh, worked hard on the grand bargain in Detroit, too, in the days of our house, and make sure those aspects were there. But now you get the tats break, while that hardworking senior citizen at Walmart does not participate in that. And that's where it's not equal and have the frustration with this system, how it is winners and losers. Winners and losers. Firefighters, police officers, winners. Walmart people losers. I got it. I got it. Thank you for clearing that up. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, and what? And I would ask you, why, why would why senators receive a pension? Do they receive a pension of sorts? What's that? Do state senators and state representatives receive a We are in a defined benefit program, so we, we contribute so that's to a, a, yeah. I'll take that as a I'll take that as a yeah. No, we so don't now, have pensions. When sir, are, when are sir. you eligible for that pension? Aren't you eligible no, for that pension? No, we are not eligible years? for a pension. We do not within, We do not participate in a pension. That was gone away in the 90s. Oh, okay. So you, you participate in some sort of defined benefit program. And aren't you eligible for that within three terms, which is six years? Our benefit program is a 401k program, which we contribute in to our pocket, along with uh, state match. You're, avo- me- you're avoiding my question, Senator. Good Senator. Well, you're avoiding my question. Aren't you eligible for those benefits within six years, three terms, which but not a pe- Walmart but that's not a pension or program. Firefighter or the police officer don't get. That's not. Those are. Th- that is a pension program, and we have a four hundred one k program. Uh, oh well. Well, thank you very much for answering. Well, I was glad to inform you of that. Uh, Thank, Thank you, you very much for the call. 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. Uh, those receiving 401Ks um, and some of the other ones, no, you still have to. Uh, we pay our taxes. Yeah, you still yep. have to. And, We're not in that selected group. And keep in mind that um, more and more private entities, mm-hmm. even if they unionize, yeah. pensions are not part of of many collective bargaining agreements nowadays. That's very true, Gary. And I was pleased, uh, I was pleased to help that uh, caller out clarify that, because uh, that caller has understanding that a lot of other people uh, believe that the uh, House members of the House and the Senate are under a pension program. Again, they are not. Again, mm-hmm. uh, while we respect our first responders yes. that do have that, our educators mm-hmm. who do have that, but how many in the private sector, which includes more people than them, do not have mm-hmm. that option? Uh, thus, we right go. I go right back to starting point: is we should have opportunities for all. We respect our firefighters, we respect our teachers, we respect our uh, law enforcement, but uh, should have a balanced approach when it comes to our tax policies, and along with our legislators. Roger, on January twenty fourth, Governor Whitmer will be. Delivering a state of the state address on a Wednesday night. Uh, we 
won't be carrying it because we have a more important thing to carry, which is Hope College women's basketball. Uh, frankly, um, you know, these are hardworking young ladies that should have their efforts uh, be noted, and we'll carry that game on 99-7-1450 WHTC. But the remarks by the governor, what do you expect her to say that hasn't been said before and probably will be said again? <laughs> I don't believe there's going to be anything very unique or earth-shaking on this state-of-state address. And uh, oh, by before, before I go on, I just was taking note. Uh, wasn't the coach just won his seventh? 700th game in 795. Well, congratulations Fast, on that. Fastest ever in that regard. Still 300 away from Tara Vandevender's uh, eventual record. She's going to pass uh, um, Coach K of Duke. Uh, probably sometime this week, but still. Amazing, amazing. Uh, Brian Morehouse has done a fine job. But let me not be accused of pivoting the conversation to whole right. basketball. Let's, let's go, go back, back to, to the state, the state, state, state address. address yes. Or a caller will call in and say, hey, let's stay to the issues. Rightfully so. So on the state of state address, I I think there's maybe a little some folks she has been highlighting a little bit on her economic development situations, which uh, as a uh, Republican chair of that have been on the forefront. But there uh, there they go again. I mean, they go down that same specific road. Nothing unique about economic development. Selecting a you know go right back to my earlier statement. Uh, a select few that seems like that same type of a component. You get your economic development dollars and the other groups uh, that's been here for how long doing the type of work that needs to be done uh, get neglected. Now, I would challenge the governor, as you want to do some economic development, let's refine some of these state agencies and bureaucracies. We already highlight the unemployment agencies, and they're all set at home, and they're uh, not working, not collaboratively. We see the issues. I look at the Department of uh, Eagle and the permitting. Just talk to some of our Ottawa County officials, like uh, – uh, Joe Bush from our drink, our water resource managers. The frustration. I mean, we have industry that wants to locate here, but they are not getting their permit. It's not being processed in a timely fashion. Well, that's the quickest way we can bring jobs to our area, making sure we have a streamlined system in place so when manufacturers, employers want to come into West Michigan or Michigan, there are agencies that can work collaboratively with them. Now, we need to preserve our environment. We need to protect our water. But the way the, uh, this agency is operating, it's just no. Well, I can't tell you why it's no, but it's just because. And then probably two years later, there might be some resolution on the component after we all get involved. This is where we should be focusing on. Be a welcoming state to those who want to come here and provide jobs, regardless of some of the bad uh, policies that has been adapted in the last year of, you know, I think Eric Nesbitt did a nice job of listing the uh, barriers that have been put in place in front of our barrier uh, employers. But this is where we should be focused on economic development as a welcoming state and at least allow, you know, places to be cited here instead of this, you are selected here with some dollars, you are selected here with some dollars, but in the meantime, you might not get your permit to build your plant or to move forward. That's for companies who are established that want to either move to Michigan mm -hmm. or maybe have a presence already here and want to build up. Yes, we've had some efforts, and some companies are getting expansions proven, but I kind of wonder, are we trying to instill an entrepreneurial spirit with people? 
It mm. is one thing to create jobs. Good point, Gary. It's like another it. thing to create opportunities mm -hmm. for people to be their own boss, to be able to maybe have their business of their own. How welcoming is the state on that? It's one thing to bring the jobs. It's another thing to bring entrepreneurs into the state. Very valid point and very good question. And there again, I don't see that avenue occurring when we're talking about <clears throat> economic development. Because if it's it meets a certain um, slot or bots that it falls into, let's say uh, we've been really focusing on EV vehicles. Well, obviously you can see where the marketplace has been treating that and where that's been going of late. Uh, and there's a role for that there, but why is it 90% of the discussion and 90% economic development dollars go in that direction? In the meantime, I would challenge this administration, go on way when uh, there's a couple of things that I've initiated, and that is some putting basic infrastructure in. Putting infrastructure in, that, especially water processing, uh, such as the Coopersville Pipeline, which won the Economic Development Award of the Year for the state of Michigan. And that was not just selecting for one industry. It was it benefited the whole community. It benefited multiple companies. It benefited uh, Coopersville community, city of Muskegon. It, it just, the spinoff effects of that was huge. And there was a number of other projects I can go right down the list. And yet, did they take that uh, as a template to go forward with? No, they took the hard work that Senator Victory did and just, well, we're going to bypass this and we're going to pull out the old scheme, game plan and we're going to just play EV vehicles right down the road. And where did that bring them? Um, yes, we're up at the starting point again. The other thing, and this will be my last comment before we button up this segment, is the fact that it is one thing to bring jobs. It's another thing to maybe encourage new entrepreneurs but don't let those new entrepreneurs get too successful mm -hmm. because if they do, then they're earning too much and we got to tax them so they can pay, pay their fair share. Yeah, very true there, Gary. <laughs> but I also want some, there are some green shoots of hope right here in the Holland community. We see some things of our, our community going forward, some new building construction that's going on uh, to help foster that economic entrepreneur spirit. So, um, I don't want this to be a wet blanket. There are opportunities, and I just wish the administration would look right here in our West Michigan Holland community and you know, transfer that. And I will continue to bring that voice to Lansing and uh, speak loud and proud and uh, and push that forward, that agenda forward. If you wish to contact Senator Roger Victory's office, his phone number is 517-373-6920-517-373-6920 or online at SenatorRogerVictory.com. That is SenatorRogerVictory.com. Roger, as always, thank you very much for stopping by. Another great day. And if all goes well, we'll do this again next month. Thank you, sir. We'll do it. Drive safely out there, everybody, too. Thank you very much, Roger Victory, on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC. CBS News with Steve Kathan, followed by WHTC News. And then we'll have... Our final segment of Talk of the Town, which includes birthdays and news off the beaten path, followed by Barb Vischer's Evergreen Commons Report at 1125 and the WHTC Midday Report at the bottom of the hour on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC.